We are continuing in Pasuk Hay, Perik Aleph of Rus. I just wanted to mention a few things that we mentioned that Machlon and Kilian married um, the two sisters, Arpa and Rus, and they were daughters of Eglon, the king of Moyav. So it's interesting to mention that the Medrash says that the reason why Eglon who was a Russia and oppressed the Jewish people for 18 years until the Shefet Ehud killed him, as it's told in the book of Sheftim, that why he merited that from him, from one of his daughters, Rus, would come out to David HaMelech and Mashiach. And it says that the reason is, says the Medrash, because when uh, Ehud came to him and told him that he has a message to him from Hashem, it says in the Pasuk that Egloin got up, come mikisai, in honor of Hashem's message, he got up. And Hashem says, because he showed honor um, <clears throat> to Hashem, that uh, one of his daughters will become a Jew, and she will um, mother the, um, the, the the family of David Melech. So we see here again, so that Orpah was the natural extension of, of Eglon, because she was not, she was not from the side of Kedusha. She ended up going back to her old uh, Moabite ways. Whereas Ruz was that spark of Kedusha that was lingering on in, in Eglon, came out when Eglon got up in honor of Hashem, and that came out uh, in Ruz, and then Ruz ended up converting. See, we see again what the Al-Sheikh said in his introduction, that... Hashem works in mysterious ways, and sometimes, even in the thick of evil, there's sometimes a spark of good that Hashem navigates through Hashgach HaPratis and ends up coming out later in history. So Orpa and Rus are both sort of the natural uh, products of, of Eglon, but Orpa is from the evil side of Eglon, and Rus came from the positive, from the that spark of Kedusha in, 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 in Eglon. <clears throat> um, just wanted to mention one more thing. We said that uh, uh, in the Pasuk Gimel, Melech Ish Nomi, he died. And we said that uh, there's Medrashim, why he died, what was his sin? Uh, the Gemara says that because he left Eretz Yisrael, and according to some Medrashim, he left Eretz Yisrael not just, you know, leaving Eretz Yisrael in and of itself, but in what circumstances he left Eretz Yisrael when the whole country was in turmoil and no food and famine, and he was very wealthy, and he wanted to avoid having to give and share some of his resources with the poor. So I just mentioned a vote from the Rebbeim of Peshisra, a very nice vote. The Radzina, Radzmina, the Radzmina Rebbe, who was his Talmud in Sefer Bikura Aviv, mentions that he was once shvuas by the Rebbeim of Peshisra, and he asked him the question that there are two contradictory Zohars. In one Zohar it says that Elimelech died, he was punished because he left Eretz Yisrael. And a few pages later in the Zohar it says that Elimelech, who left Eretz Yisrael under the conditions of famine, uh, did the right thing because Api he was allowed to leave. Avram left when there was a famine in Eretz Canaan, he went to Mitzrayim. So it is, uh, what, what Elimelech did was he followed in the footsteps of those uh, before him, and he did the he acted according to halacha. We already mentioned from the Rambam and Hilchus that also says that Elimelech 
was justified, technically, according to Allah, he was justified to leave Eretz Yisrael, because as long as the prices of food rise uh, to twice as much as the normal market value, then the famine is severe enough where a Jew is allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael for better, um, a better environment. So here we have a contradiction. In the, in the first, the Zohar says that he was condemned and he was, he was punished. And then the Zohar says he did the right thing. So Rabbinim told him that the Pshat is like this. It's not a contradiction. Elimelech, deep inside his heart, didn't want to be harassed by the poor and didn't want to share his resources, so he tried to escape. But, of course, Elimelech was a great man, as it says, Ish Elimelech. We mentioned that before. So he, he wanted to make sure that his, his actions are not in contradiction with Torah, because he felt guilty. So he looked in Allah and he found a, a halachic basis for, for leaving. Ultimately, he left with the approval of Allah, but deep in his heart, the, the real reason he left is because he wanted to escape uh, the, having to become a, a resource for the poor. Hashem, who knows the deepest thoughts of a person, understood that his actions were not were not were not uh, were not appropriate, and that's why he was punished. Hashem punished him for his true motivation. This is a, a lesson that Rabbi Nachman says that sometimes we act and we think we follow halacha, we look and we're very careful, but we have to look deeper inside. What are the true motives? Uh, of why why we why we do what we do. Okay, now we are we're going to move forward. It says lahem noshim yet just one more point in Pasuk Dalat lahem noshim. It says that the two sons after their father died married two Moabite women. One is Up and one is Rus. Now there is a big debate whether they converted them before they married them, and I already mentioned it, but there is contradictory. Medrashim, the Evan Ezra says clearly that Chas Shalom to say that Machlon and Kilian, the sons of such a great man and a great woman, and Nomi and Elimelech would, would marry non-Jews. So Evan Ezra says for sure they converted them first. There is a Zoya Chodesh that backs it up. It says the same thing. Um, uh, Evan Ezra brings a proof because later on Nomi says, Shoivno Benoisai, please go back. Shoivno is only fitting to say when they have made a transition, and now go back. If they never transitioned into Judaism, then it's not going back. They're just staying where they are. They, they, they were more white women, and they remain more white women. That's the argument of the Evan Ezra. Okay, the Sitzok says they don't understand. If they really indeed converted, how would Nomi do such a thing? Send back two halachically Jewish women to go back to Moyov to worship idols? Why would, how could Nomi do such a thing? So therefore, uh, okay, see, many, many argue that it, it, Rashi says, and the Gemara in Yavama seems to say clearly that they did not convert. And the Gemara says that uh, when later on Ruth joined Naomi, when she finally, Naomi finally relented, and Ruth alone, without Orpah, left with, with Naomi to Eretz Yisrael, it says there was a conversation there, back and forth, and the Gemara says that this was a a, a normie taking, uh, guiding Ruth through the process of conversion. So that means that Ruth converted only when she came to Eretz Yisrael. 
Malbim says an interesting thing. The word the word in in Posek Dalit is Vayisu lahem noshim. The word Vayisu in in Tanakh is not necessarily through kedushin. We find this in Ezra when the Jews married uh, non-Jewish women. Then Ezra, when they came back to Israel, Ezra forced them to get divorced from these illegitimate women. It says Vayinosu noshim. They married women. Obviously, there was no kedushin because these women were clearly not Jewish. He says the lotion in Tanakh in the Torah for a marriage that is done through kedushin is vayikach ki yikach ish isha from which the Gemara says kicha kicha is the effort the Gemara in kedushin kicha is a kind of marriage which is done through a halachic process of kedushin. Here it says vayisolahem which indicates or alludes to the fact that they were not married. Now the Bach there's a sefer from the Bach on sefer Rus. So it's mentioned, Svorim bringing the Bach, that he reconciles this seeming contradiction between Medroshim and Chazal and different Meforshim, and saying that in essence they did convert them, but if you think about it, how did they convert them? First of all, they converted them for the sake of marriage. And Halacha says that first you have to check with a person who comes to convert, they're making sure that they don't have any ulterior motives. For example, the the, the, the motive of marriage, to marry a Jew. You can't convert somebody if that's their, their motive. So they converted them with a motive that was like a tchila, not acceptable. So even though halacha says, but the Yevid, it's still a gerus, as long as they keep mitzvahs and they makabal, they do everything right. But like a tchila, it wasn't. So the Bach says that it, it, on the one hand, they did convert them, but it was a Yevid conversion. That's why some Chazal say that they weren't converted because it wasn't a Lekatechila conversion. Another issue comes up in Aloha. How did they convert? There was no Bezdin. There was just Machlon, Kilian, and Elimelech had already died. So even if Elimelech was alive, the question is, how could they have a Bezdin? Yes, there are three of them, but you're a Korev, you're a relative, you're a Negev Bedov, you can't be a part of the Bezdin. So, but now especially Elimelech died, there are only the two of them, two Jews in Moyav. How did they convert them without a Bezdin? So that becomes another question whether with the Evet it can be considered a conversion or not. The, the, the main point is that the Bach tries to reconcile that there was a conversion, but it was a questionable, a questionable conversion. That's why Ruth reconverted. Okay, now let's go to the next Pesach. Hey, Both of them died. The woman, Nomi, remained alone. Now she was bereft of both her two sons, her two children, and from her husband. So why did they die? So Mephoshim say they obviously, the Al-Sheikh, I think, mentions that they didn't die because of the same reason that their father died. The father died because he led his family outside of Yisrael, as we mentioned before. But Machlon and Kilian were just uh, under the influence of their father, so they couldn't be blamed for leaving. But their main uh, sin was that they married non-Jewish women. And because it says Gam also the two of them, Chazals learned from here that they didn't die right away. Hashem never punishes a person by taking his life first. First he um, strikes at his possessions and takes away his possessions. And then when he still doesn't do tshuva, Hashem strikes at the person himself. So Gam means at first that the animals died and they lost all their belongings and then they died themselves. There's a question then why Elimelech didn't Hashem do the same with Elimelech? 
seems that Elimelech was struck by Hashem right away. If Hashem never strikes at the person directly, but he first takes his possessions, why didn't do Hashem with Elimelech? There's a long discussion before Hashem to explain the difference. Um, let's go weiter, let's go on. It says, Vai Tvatokem Hivechalaseo, Vatoshem is the Moyov, and she and her two daughter in laws still stuck together, and they settled in the in the fields of Moab. Chazal says they Moab is the, the cities, the, the smaller towns. They didn't settle in the big cities. Big cities were very corrupt, so they found found it safer spiritually, I guess, to be in a smaller area. We find in Parshas Bahar um, that a, a ear, a, a town that doesn't have a wall around it, as they is called is referred to like a field. So Zdei Mayov can be referred to as a, a town without a wall. That means it's not a major metropolis. Kishama Bizdei Mayov, she heard in um Ah Vatoshov, sorry, Vatoshov means she came back. She 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 left. In other words, she returned from the Zdei Mayov. Why did she do that? Kishama Bizdei Mayov, she heard in somewhere in these towns where she lived, in the fields of Moyav, remembered his people and gave them food. That means the famine was suspended. Chazal say, how did she, how did she know? How did she find out? There was no uh, news channels in Moyav, but there were, the, so the Medrash says, Reichlim, there were peddlers who uh, went, made the rounds in different towns. Peddlers from Eretz Yisrael who went to trade. So sometimes they went far away to find uh, opportunities to trade. So they went into Moyov, and that's how she met Israeli peddlers. And they told her that the situation, the economic situation in Eretz Yisrael had changed. And that's why she decided to go back to Eretz Yisrael. Now, uh, the question, um, the Medrash says, it says, she heard, how did she hear? That's a very uh, surprising question. I mean, people hear things, you know, sometimes people travel. And the Medrash says it was Reichlin, it was peddlers. So there's a, a nice pshat uh, in Ayn Yankov, it mentions, in Ayn Yankov, that there is a, there's a Medrash. There was Hai Ruchle, there was a peddler who went from town to town and he came to a town near Tsipori and he says, Man Bor who wants to have the, the medicine of life? And he said, um, I think Rabzeira was there and he was, um, and people were saying, Yeah, we want. Finally, he took out the Sefer Tilim, he says, Mia Isha He says that the recipe for, for long life is to hold back from. So he says the Pshat is like this. <clears throat> the question of the Medrash is not how she heard. It's possible. People travel through the country and they tell and, and they spread the news. But what the Medrash wants to know, what did she hear that changed in Eretz Yisrael that Hashem would suddenly change the situation? And the answer is, there were peddlers. Peddlers like the peddler that the Medrash mentions that peddlers that uh, went around peddling spiritual advice, giving advice of how to have a long life. 
And we know that that the, the, the crime of the generation was that people insulted their leaders. And it says that when uh, when people don't respect their leaders, it hurts the parnasa. But especially we know from the Balshemtov that uh, the, the tzaddik of the generation, the leader of the generation, is the channel through whom all the generation receives them, even the gash mystic and the material things. That's why it says, The Gemara says in Brochus that the entire world, Hashem says the entire world is fed because Chanina ben Daisa, Chanina my son. In the Balshant of Taichas, Bishvil, through the path that Chanina created, uh, that Chanina ben Daisa, because he was the, the, the tzaddik of the generation, um, he created a channel that the whole generation was able to be fed through that channel. So when you reject your, your leaders, then you're rejecting the very channel that brings Parnosah. So this is the Pshat, that she heard a Reichel that came around saying, like this peddler in the Medrash, which means people stop talking badly about their leaders. And that's why the economic situation changed, and that's why she decided to go back. The Beis Alevi, um, Rabbi Yosheber, the father of Rabbi Chaim, says an interesting thing. The Gemara says in Avedi Zohar that in ancient times, walled cities wouldn't allow peddlers in. That's why they had walls. Part of the reason they had a wall, they didn't want the outsiders to come in and disturb the, the peace in the town, coming and selling their goods. So that's why it says he, she was in Zdei Moyov, which is a city, a small town in the field of Moyov, which, as we said before, is a non-walled city. <clears throat> and that's why there were peddlers. That's why the mother says that peddlers were allowed in that city, and that's how she found out. Another interesting connection. <clears throat> she went out of this place. She left Mayov, um, where she was, and her two daughters were with her. She went on the road to go back to Yehuda. That she thought that her two daughters were just trying to escort her. They weren't planning to go with her. So that's why she didn't say anything at this point. She was um, appreciative that they were respecting her and walking with her on the way for a short distance. Rashi says, "Vatetzim and Amokim." Rashi says, similar to what it says by Yitzchak Yankov. It says, "She went out of the place." Ashahoyse Shama. It already says that she went to Eretz Yehuda. So obviously, she left the place where she was before. Why is the pasuk have to say "Vatetzim and Amokim"? She left the place, and they went to Eretz Yehuda. Obviously, she left the place to go somewhere else. So Rashi says the same thing. He says by Yitzchak Yankov that when she left Moyov. Were, it was noticeable because she made a, an, an impression on the place. Because Nomi was a remarkable woman, as we said, the word name Nomi means Noi Maaseho. Her actions and behavior were very pleasant, and so it made a, an, an imprint on the environment. So when she left, there was a void that was left behind. Vatetse, that means when she left, the whole place uh, felt her absence. It's interesting. Um, the Chidor says that the, 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 the Pasik also is alluding to the fact, he mentions this from Sforim, I think he mentions from the Megala Mukes, Reb Nosen Shapiro, that a tzaddik who lives in a town, in a community in Golos, has a big influence on the community. 
but uh, and he protects the community, his chus. But when he, it's a tzaddik that lives in Eretz Yisrael, his chus has a much greater force, a much greater power that it it, it protects the entire world. So Davke, because she left from Moyov, so only that place, there was a special effect that she had, but nothing beyond that place. Okay, we're going to pass a Nomi said to two of her, to her two daughter-in-laws, Lechno, Shevno, Isha go back to each one to the house of your mother. Yas Hashem imochem chesed do kindness with you, as you have done with the dead, meaning your two husbands, and with me. Chazal say that um, what is the kindness she was referring to? That when they died, They had a ksuba that they could have collected because they were entitled to ksuba since their husbands died. And they could have come to her that she should make good on the ksuba. But uh, she, they didn't. They forgave the ksuba. They were kind to her. That's imadi. What's imamesim? That they provided them with, with the tachrichim. They, they took care of the dead and buried them. Um, <clears throat> question is, if they weren't Jewish, why was there an issue of ksuba? So it's mentioned in Mephoshim already that in the Gezegemorik Subas that Goyim in ancient times will also have something similar to what we have as Jews, a Ksuba. Um, <coughs> so they forgave the Ksuba, so they were kind with her. But there's another Medrash that says that she was also referring to, to the kindness that they didn't marry anyone else. That after the husbands died, they stuck with her and uh, didn't uh, look for other men. <clears throat> so, some um, Seife has a very beautiful pshat uh, based on, on, on this on this medrash. Uh, I'll mention it, but let's read first the next passage and we'll understand what some Seife is saying. Yitan Hashem Lachem, she said, I. Hashem should do to you and pay you back the kindness he did with me and with the dead. Yid Hashem Lachem, may God give you a metzana menucha, you shall find peace, Isha base Isha, each woman in her own husband's house, meaning you should find your new husbands and find peace in, in your new marriage. Vatishak Lehen, and she kissed them, Vatishana Kailam Vatifkeno, and they cried. They raised their voices and cried. Um Sefer so says like this. First it says, in Posik Ches she says, Go to your mother's house. Why mother, why not father? It says that maybe Eglon had died already at that time. This was after the death of Eglon. That's why it says, Imo. Other Mephoshim say because she wanted to protect him, they shouldn't go back to their father, to the influence of the father. Because as we know, um, that the women of Moyav weren't as bad as the women as the men of Moyav. That's why the ban against marriage was only against the men. So she says, Shevna Beis Imo, stick with your mother. 
Um, but in the in the Pasuk test it says base isha. She's wishing them to go back to her husband's house. So it says the Chassam Seifim that it says here like this. She kissed her. And this is a very uh, interesting uh, point discussed in many Mefoshim, Rabbi Shlomo Alkavatz, that every marriage, this is uh, in the Zoyar and also in Chazal, and the Gemara mentions this, that when a, a widow leaves, has in her um, a spark or um, a glimmer of the spirit of her late husband in her, that remains a Rucha de Shavik Ba. The Zoyar is a long discussion on this. There's some scary stuff in the Zoyar about this, that not to marry again, because sometimes the spirit of the first husband can uh, be upset that another man came into her life. And uh, especially the first 12 months, Pshlom Alkavaz mentions it here at great length, that the first 12 months, there could be a struggle going on with the spirit that the first husband left in the woman and the, the new husband um, um, that through marriage he gives her a piece of his spirit in her and there is a struggle there may be a struggle going on sometimes the first husband can prevail depending on what nature the spirit is <clears throat> these are mystical stuff but um, the reason for it mentions this is the reason for Yibum because when it's a relative who marries the woman um, he is able to connect with that spirit of the first husband because they're related they're connected so he's able to redeem him and bring peace to him and because the soul doesn't have peace and <clears throat> he says it depends which one is the real zivok if the real zivok is the first one if the real zivok is the uh, first husband then he will prevail and if the second husband is the real zivok then he will prevail Anyways, there concludes that um, only the t- first 12 months is an issue. The Zohar incidentally explains that this is why there's a concept of Katlonis, a woman who is married twice, and she's both time became a widow, then it becomes halachically questioned whether she should marry again, because she may have sort of a record that her husbands die. And the Zohar explains this because the original spirit of the first husband that is there is the dominant one, and he causes um, the second husband to to pass away. Anyways, but in in, in practice, Rabbi uh, Alkavat says after 12 months it's not a shaila, and it's okay. That's why today we practice all the time. And he brings proof. We see this in in, in Tanakh that, that there will be second marriages. A call of Ben Yefuna um, married a second time, uh, and, and um, I mean uh, Miriam, and and so on. Kol of Ben Yifunem was the son of a, of a second marriage. So it says some sefer like this. Uh, both Arpa and Ruth were not Jewish. And the fact that they married Jewish men means that the men left a spirit, a piece of their neshama in those women even after they died. <clears throat> when, when, when Naomi... Um, saw Orpo, he she realized that Orpo is not fitting to be Jewish, and she's clearly bound to go back, and she wanted to redeem that glimmer of the spirit of her son, 
machloin that was stuck inside the soul of 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 Arpa. She wanted to extract that before Arpa goes back to her old ways. So that she did through kissing her. But Tishak Lehen, once she was able through the kiss to take out that uh, lost piece of spirit of her son inside Arpam, then she said, go base Isha, go to, to your husband, you're ready to marry someone else. In other words, when she saw that Arpa and Ruth did this kindness that they didn't marry anybody else, she felt it was due to the fact that there was a lingering a glimmer of the spirit of their husband still in them, and that causes them to stick together and not to go anywhere else. But she wanted Orpa to go and to separate from her and, and from Ruth. So he said she kissed. He said she kissed them both. We'll see later that the kiss to Ruth was a, with a different intention. But uh, Orpa, um, that kiss took out that spirit, and then she said, now you're ready to go Isha Beis Isha, so that's how the Chesim Sefer explains that in Pasuk Ches it says, go Lebeis Ima, but in the Pasuk Tes, where it says, Vatishak Lehen, that through the kiss says, now you're ready to go back and marry someone from the Moabite nation. Chesim Sefer adds an interesting thing. It says first, Vatilach Nobadech Loshov Eretz Yehuda, that all three of them went on the path to go back to Eretz Yehuda. Then it says, Nomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, no, go back, go back. You don't. You did kindness with me. Hashem should do kindness back to you, but you go back. You should find peace with another husband. And she kissed them, and then they cried. It says, first it says, they went back to go back to Eretz Yehuda. But in the end, they didn't. I mean, Orpah didn't. He says, the Pasuk says that they originally they were going back to Eretz Yehuda is also was fulfilled. It says, in essence, he says... Orpah, Orpah's destiny was also to go back to Eretz Yisrael, but in a different way. And she explains that we know that that Orpah became the great-grandmother of Goliath, and Rus became the great-grandmother of David, and they met in the battlefield. And it is through this battle that uh, um, that um, Exposed David's greatness to the world. David's um, David's greatness and popularity rose because of the story of his battle with Goliath. Which means like this: when Oprah went back eventually to her family and to the Moabite nation, she later on ended up uh, being the the mother and the great grandmother of Goliath. That means she contributed to David and Melech's uh, rise to, to 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 prominence, and that led to the 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 the, the Malchus based David, and that he became king of all of Israel, and later on to Mashiach. That means like this: Ruth and Orpah both contributed to this future purpose and destiny that Hashem had in mind. The whole story of Ruth here is all about the emergence of the kingship of David and Melech, and later on Mashiach. And the, 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 the story tells us how both Orpah and Ruth both contributed to that end, but in different ways. That's why it states, In essence, their destiny was to 
go back to Eretz Yehuda. It means their their contribution was was focused on Eretz Yehuda and where David and Melech will rise and emerge and become the leader of Eretz Yisrael. But they did it in two different ways. So we go on to the next Pasuk, Pasuk Yud. <clears throat> and they said to her, No, we want to go back with you to your nation. Um, and Naomi said, No, my daughters, please go back. Why would you want to walk with me? Do I really have more sons in my womb? Am I pregnant with more children? And uh, there will be uh, men to you that you'll marry them. Uh, the Medrash seems to say that they didn't know the halacha that uh, there's no yibum for a brother from a brother who wasn't alive the same time as the original husband. In other words, if a man was married to a woman and he died, and there are no brothers, but then the mother of that man who died gave birth to a new son. But his son, who is now the, the brother of the deceased brother, of the deceased husband, but they, they, their lives didn't overlap at all. So there, there's no din of yibum. But she said it just in a, in a way of saying like, um, you know, like uh, not in a serious way, but more like um, saying this, um, not sarcastically, but uh, saying, you know, what, I have more, more sons in my womb that you want to, what are you sticking with me? What do you need? Why would you want to come with me? In a way, it's testing what is their motives. What are their motives for coming with her? Please go back. This is Persecute Bays. Go back. I'm too old to be, be married to another man and have more children. Even if I would say to myself, even hypothetically, if it were to fantasize in my mind, there is hope for me. I can have more children. Even if tonight I would marry a man and, and, and conceive. And I would even give birth to children. Even then, even in that unlikely scenario, are you going to hope to marry these children that I will uh, marry uh, in the future? You will, you will hope for them until they grow up. You will become agunas. That means you will uh, abstain from getting married for so many years to wait for these possible children, potential children, till they grow up, not to be married to another man, no, my daughters, um, it is very bitter to me over you, over your fate, because the hand of Hashem struck at me. Um in the Drushes, says a very uh, sharp thing. What did she say? I'm very, it's bitter. I feel bitterness over you. The hand of Hashem struck at me. What is she? She's bitter over the fate of these two women. She wants them to go back. But why does it say... So what does he say right after that? The hand of Hashem struck at me. What does that have to do with that? She's talking about go back because it it bothers me that you wouldn't have a free, you want to have a future. I want to have more children and, and and you need to get married. You should go back to your own country. Why is she right away saying and because the hand of Hashem? 
So the way the Chassam Sarah explains it, that she was a little bit harsh with them. She really wanted them to go back. This was an ultimate test to see how resilient and how persistent they are. Um, he said to them like this, You should know that the bitterness of my fate, everything that happened to me, all the suffering I went through, is Mikem, is because of you. I lost my two sons because they married non-Jews. That means you came into their lives and it's through you that I lost my children. You'll tell me in order to um, offset their response, they would say, no, no, who says it's because of us? Maybe they died because, just like their father died, because they left Eretz Yisrael. So for that she said, Ki biyad Hashem. The fact that we left Eretz Yisrael, Hashem already struck at me. And I lost my husband for that. And that Hashem already paid me. The reason the two sons died afterwards is for a different reason. It's because they intermarried. And this is why the next passage, Yudala says, It says again, they cried again. This time he says they cried because they felt very bad. That they were the cause of the death of their husbands. Some Sefer says one other thing. Fascinating thing. There's a famous Gemara. The Gemara says, Koshim Gerim that converts are a, a nuisance and a, a source of, a, of of discomfort or harassment to the Jewish people. Like uh, the Gemara gives an analogy of the soil leprosy. And in Toysvus in Kedushin, there's two interpretations. One interpretation is, why are Geirim so hard on the Jewish community? Because many of the Geirim are ignorant, they, they haven't learned enough. So the people, um, uh, so when they become part of the Jewish community, a lot of people learn from them and also begin to practice in a very laxed way. But then Toysvus brings from another Baal Toysvus, one of the great Baal Toysvus, Rav Avrom Hager, one of the Balotrishes was himself a Ger, and he gave a new Pshat. He says, the Pshat is differently, says Toysvus. They're they're difficult, they're a challenge to the Jewish people because they're usually more religious and more careful because they're more strict. And because they're better than the rest of them, it brings a a Kitrug, uh, from heaven, it it casts uh, it it casts the rest of the Jewish community in a bad light, and chas v'shalom they become subject to punishment. That's why gerim are a challenge. So he said the opposite. He was himself a ger. So this is what she was alluding to. Nomi already had a sense that Oprah and Ruth were very different from each other. If Oprah were to convert, she would be a challenge to the Jewish people of the first type, of the first interpretation of Teisvis. She won't be very committed, and she'll become a source of bad influence to some Jews that are near her. Ruth, she's noticed, was extremely committed and driven to be a real Jewess. And she says, you will be a source of challenge for the Jewish people if you join me because you'll be too religious, or more, more religious, better than the other Jews. So that's what she said, it, 
I, I'm bitter because of you. I'm, if, if you join me, don't, don't join me. No, no, don't go back. Because Marli Moit became from both of you, I will get trouble if you join me to becoming the Jewish people. Beautiful Pshat. Just finishing Pasuk Yudalit. But the son of they raised their voice and they cried again. And then Opa kissed again her mother and Ruth uh, cleaved onto her. Um, it says in uh, in the Mephoshim, Ruth Dovka the Bardicheva says, Bardicheva in Kedusha's Levi, Ruth Dovka Ba, Dovka Behei. The boy is Behei. She, um, she, 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 she took the hay. Hay is the last letter of the Yudke Vavke, Kabbalah Zerbach HaShemayim. She cleaved onto the hay. And when you take the hay, you put it onto Ruth, it's Torah. Ruth is Reish Vav Sof, together with the Torah. But here's a remarkable pshat. It's mentioned a few before, but the Shem Shmuel brings it from his father, David Nezer. Really an incredible pshat. It says they cried, and then Vatishak Aupa, she kissed her. The Gemara says in Saita that uh, when Goliath and David met in the field for their final uh, showdown, it says, the Gemara says that Hashem said, Yovoi ben Hanashuka, let the descendant of the one who is kissed, or the one who kissed her mother-in-law, which is Orpa, and fall, Ve'yipoi lifne ben Hadvuka, and should fall in front of the of the descendant of Ruth, who was the one who cleaved onto her her mother-in-law. And and, and he says, what, what's this language? Ben Aneshuka, Ben Advuka. Why 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 are Chazal using that language? And, and, and he says, similar to what the Chassam Sefer mentioned earlier, that both Orpa and and Ruth had a glimmer of the neshama of a Jew in them. And this glimmer came from their husbands, because they were married to Jewish men. When Orpah kissed them earlier, right in the <clears throat> where does it say? But in, in pasuk, it says Vatishak lehem, but right that she kissed. But in pasuk tes, Vatishak lehem, she kissed them. He says the purpose of that kiss. Was that you know a kiss nishikin? Alter Rebbe mentions that in Tanya also is is a very intimate bond between two people. That's why in the Zayir it mentions that nishikin is is a metaphor for limitatayre. When a Jew bonds with Hashem through a through limitatayre, it's similar to a kiss. It's very intimate because the tayre infiltrates the inner person through his mind. It goes inside the person. Whereas with mitzvahs, it's called a chibuk. It's more like a, an embrace because a mitzvah is more like physical on top of the body. It's different than Torah. There's Nishikin and there's Chibuk. Nishikin is a very intimate exchange between two people. When, when Orpah in Pasuk Tess kissed the two daughter-in-laws, he, she injected them, so to speak, with, a, with a, a little bit of her neshama. And this was like a test, like almost an elaboratory test. You inject something. To see the result, and what she was waiting to see, whether they're genuine about their desire to become Jewish. If if there is a genuine spark of Jewishness inside their neshama that wants to come out and convert, 
then what she injected would resonate with that and connect and cling onto this. But if the person is really not ready for conversion, they don't have that spark of Kedusha that, that would compel someone to become Jewish, then what she injected in them would, would disagree with them. And what would happen at the end, in the end it would cause her to say, no, it's not for me. Something doesn't feel right inside. And when Orpah realized that she's not ready for conversion, and this is not where she belongs, she went and kissed Nomi. This is what it says in Pasuk. Vatishak Orpah, Pasuk Yudalat. Which means she re-ejected that which um, uh, Nomi gave her in the earlier kiss. She, uh, that spirit, that spark of Kedusha, she ejected that and gave it back to, to Nomi. So Nomi would take that to Eretz Yisrael and Arpa would be clean of any Kedusha and go back to, to Moyav. And according to some Sefer, she also ejected at that moment uh, that which her husband, Machloin, had left in her. That also she ejected through that kiss. And now that she was bereft of any Kedusha, any spark of Kedusha in her, she's ready to fall in front of David HaMelech. Yovah ben Haneshuka, the one who ejected every spark of Kedusha in her, now there is no Kedusha in her that would sustain her and give Goliath longevity or sustaining power. Now he's ready to dissipate because once Kedusha is left, a place of Klippa, Klippa is no place to stand on and, and is, is, is ready to, to dissipate. So this is the meaning, Ben HaNeshukish will fall in front of Ben HaDevuka. <clears throat> and this is also another point, is that here through this process, an amazing thing, the Neshama of both Machloin and Kilian were Nistaken. They came to a Tikkun through Ruth. Because now that Orpo threw up and ejected whatever Kedusha was left in her through her marriage to Machloin, she gave it to Nomi, and now Nomi and Ruth were now uh, uh, um, bonding together, their neshamas, and, and Ruth took with her now the, 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 the nitzus of the nesham of her husband, and she married Boyas, who was a relative, she's like with Yibum, so Boyas was able to redeem now both souls, and this explains, brings the whole thing to full circle.